This is Jerry Prokopovich with Civil War Talk Radio. The Civil War ended almost a century and a half ago, but the battle to remember what was done during that tumultuous time continues. Economic development threatens to overrun some of the most valuable and inspirational sites of the Civil War. Fighting that battle for preservation are many people in the Civil War community, among them the Civil War Preservation Trust. We'll talk preservation today with the Policy and Communications Director of the Civil War Preservation Trust, Jim Campy, as our guest on Civil War Talk Radio. Everyone faces conflict at home, at work, in the community, in the world. Fix Your Conflicts is a show about how to fix those conflicts with practical tips and techniques. Doug Knoll brings to the Internet airwaves the first of its kind, a show that teaches peaceful resolution to life's daily battles. That's Fix Your Conflicts with Doug Knoll, broadcasting live every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific on World Talk Radio Studio A. Answer the president's call to service. As an AmeriCorps member, I know that Americans everywhere are helping each other, showing strength of character. As a senior corps volunteer, I know that Americans are showing kindness and compassion. As an AmeriCorps member, I see plenty of American spirit and enthusiasm. Together, we make America strong. Together, we make America great. Find out how you can serve at nationalservice.org. It's your world. It's your chance to make it better. Apply online at nationalservice.org. The world is talking. World Talk Radio, Studio A. Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, coming to you from the campus of East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina, in my office in the Brewster Building, using, uh, hopefully for the last time, the antiquated phones owned by East Carolina University uh, to be replaced this summer with fabulous new technology so that when we come back uh, at the end of our summer break, we'll have some uh, increased clarity uh, both in sound content, sound quality, and maybe even content as well. But don't forget the legal disclaimer, even though it's easy to use phone, these are my ideas, those are the guests. We're not speaking for the university, nor does it represent our ideas, and so we go our own ways. Uh, as uh, hinted just there, this will be our last live show for the summer of 2008. It's time for the annual summer break. Uh, in your mind's eye, you can see me sitting back on a beach with a drink with an umbrella in it, but in reality, uh, I have discovered the administrative world never stops and as acting department chair I get to stay here the rest of the summer and deal with the various crises that come up in uh, in a department of 30 professors. Nothing uh, too dramatic but there's always some paperwork, some new software to deal with, some something or other going on and, uh, and they pay a little extra if you hang around so it's worth it. It's a nice day here in Greenville. The smoke mentioned last week has cleared away from the wildfires that were burning in eastern 
Carolina. They're still burning, apparently, but under control. So it no longer looks uh, that hazy look that, that made me think of uh, Chickamauga uh, with the, the for, or Shiloh or the wilderness uh, on fire, the woods on fire, and the soldiers trapped within. Uh, we're not like that. Things are, are nice and pleasant today. And it's nice and pleasant here in the office. One of the really great moments of the academic year is uh, at this time, uh, regulations require us to keep students blue books from their exams at least one year after the exam, and the off chance they'll want to come in and see how they did or protest a grade or something like that. But every uh, summer, I open the bottom left desk drawer where the old blue books are kept and move them from there into the circular file by the door, which will be cleaned out each night by the building staff. And it is just a, a treat to see that giant stack of, uh, of knowledge moved on. The students have learned it, I've taught it, and now I get it out of my office. All this empty space to fill with, with new blue books from the next students. So that's what we're doing here at Civil War Talk Radio World Headquarters. Um, if you are around next week anywhere near Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, I'll be speaking Jan June 25th in the evening at the Civil War Institute, and uh, look forward to seeing some Civil War talk radio listeners there. Other than that, though, it'll be a, a quiet summer, we hope, and then uh, then uh, we'll, we'll talk more when we come back with new live shows on August 29th, the last Monday, or last Friday, rather, of August. And uh, until then, we'll, we'll go with the rerun shows and hope you can catch up on those. Well, our guest today... Uh, is uh, someone who comes to us from the, the current front lines of, of Civil War conflict, the battle to try to preserve what is left of Civil War sites. Uh, he is Jim Campy of the Civil War Preservation Trust. Jim, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank you for the invitation, Jerry. Well, glad you could be on the show. I'm, I'm uh, always happy to talk uh, about this important cause. Uh, now, if this were like a regular radio interview, I, I would start saying, well, well, Jim, tell us why we have to preserve these sites. What's so important about that? And you would give the answer you've given probably six or seven hundred times about the importance of preservation. Um, we can skip all that today because if you're listening to Civil War Talk Radio, you already know uh, that these sites are important and, and why we try to preserve them. Uh, so let's go to the next level uh, and, and skip through that. Uh, first, how did you get a job working at Civil War Preservation Trust, and what's your background and interest in, in Civil War? Well, I've been uh, interested in the Civil War since I was a, a wee child. Uh, I think the first book I ever read was the Jeb Stewart one by uh, Burke Davis way back when. And I um, had an opportunity to work on uh, Capitol Hill, so I was, uh, while they're monitoring some of the preservation fights of the 90s, uh, particularly the, the Disney fight and, and, and the fight to save Brandy Station, and, of course, always maintain that interest in the Civil War. So when I learned that um, the two national battlefield preservation groups had merged to join, uh, to become the Civil War Preservation Trust, I suspected there might be an opportunity, and I quickly got my resume in. And about six months later, I, I had a job. Well, I, when you mention uh, the, the fights of the 90s, uh, just like old veterans reminiscing about the summer of 64, uh, <laughs> Preservation has a history of its own, and I'd like to talk about that. What are the, t the, the two institutions that merged to become a Civil War Preservation Trust? 
Well, uh, the oldest of the two was the Association for the Preservation of Civil War Sites, which was formed in 1987, uh, primarily because of the threats to the Brandy Station battlefield and the Chantilly battlefield in, in Fairfax County, Virginia. Um, and, of course, as a result of the work of APCWS, uh, the Brandy Station battlefield was eventually saved. Unfortunately, the Chantilly battlefield was lost, but uh, that was the real beginning of the modern battlefield preservation movement. Was Does anything the creation go back? Of APCWS. Does anything go back further than that? Did, I mean, people have been building stuff on or near battlefields since the the last gun was fired. Well, you know, it goes back into the 1880s, really, uh, or and even further back. You know, the first monument on a Civil War battlefield uh, was uh, at Stones River, the the monument there to um, Hazen's Brigade. That's correct, uh, and of course, the creation of the National Cemetery at Gettysburg. Uh, but you know, immediately after the war, uh, the generation that had been so that made so many sacrifices had been so traumatized by the war, didn't initially concern themselves with protection of the, the sites where the fights had occurred. It wasn't until really the 1880s that the, the veterans started to get more involved to, to begin to protect the, the battlefields. Uh, the War Department got involved as well, so you had sites like Chickamauga, Gettysburg, and Tetum gradually protected. And when the War Department uh, gave way to the National Park Service in the 1930s, you began to see a little bit more uh, protection at sites, and of course the level of interest dramatically increased in the 1960s for the uh, sesquicentennial of the Civil War. There was, um, I'm thinking of an analogy with the, the environmental movement, there was some campsite at a national park where you uh, used to show up and, and camp and didn't need reservations until one day, and I think in the early 70s, like a 1,000 people showed up one weekend for 100 campsites, and it was just a mayhem. And suddenly the Park Service realized, hey, we have to you know, do something. Um, and and that, that helped galvanize uh, management of, of at least camping. Was there anything like that? Was Brandy Station, was, was that the, the clarion call where people suddenly said, hey, we've got to do something? Yeah, I'd say, and actually I should have mentioned Manassas as well. It really, Chantilly, because of an enormous amount of development that was going in there, both commercial and real estate, I'm sorry, commercial and, and residential, uh, Manassas, because of a shopping mall that was proposed in the area, it's connected mostly with Second Manassas these days, and at Brandy Station where there was a Formula One racetrack proposed on that battlefield. And all these fights essentially uh, came about in the late 80s, early 90s, and there was no national battlefield preservation movement to, to fight them until APCAWS was formed. And you said this, uh, and it, I'm almost glad that it, it was merged out because that's a very difficult acronym to get around, <laughs> AAPWS, whatever it was. Um, you said they merged with another group. That was the Civil War Trust. Now, the Civil War Trust was formed in um, the uh, early 90s, around 1992, 1993, um, as a result of um, a commission that had been established by Congress called the Civil War Sites Advisory Commission. This commission was formed in 1990 um, as a result of this fight at Manassas I was talking about. 
and the federal government decided that if it really wanted to see these battlefields protected, it needed to find uh, a better method than um, what happened in Manassas, which was a legislative taking. Um, 535 acres were protected as a result of this taking, but it wound up costing the federal government over $120 million. And Congress saw at that point that if anything meaningful was going to be saved to these battlefields, it could not be done at those prices. So they set up the Civil War Sites Advisory Commission, which looked at all the battles of the Civil War, all 10,000 battles, skirmishes, and um, prioritized them according to the preservation threat they're experiencing and also their historic significance. And they narrowed the focus down to about 380 battlefields around the country. And um, on this commission, by the way, I would mention um, historian Ed Bars, uh, author and historian James McPherson, and quite a few other uh, distinguished historians and uh, members of Congress participated. And um, the commission's work has really become the Bible for, for the battlefield preservation movement. It really helps us identify what still needs to be saved. And um, also, as a result of that commission, uh, they recommended a federal program, a uh, federal matching grants program to save battlefields. And that program today has become the most effective uh, program out there for protecting Civil War battlefields. So, so that's this, a rather long answer. Well, the, the, one of the nice things about the show is we have time to, to talk about things and, and really get to them. Um, the, the, the Civil War Advisory Commission then is still going in terms of recommending sites or, or identifying the uh, uh, sites to be preserved? Actually, the, the commission concluded its work in 1993 with this report mm -hmm. that identified 384 priority battlefields and recommended this federal legislation. Now, their work has sort of been carried on by a, a uh, agency within the National Park Service called the American Battlefield Protection Program. Uh. Uh, as we speak, uh, the American Battlefield Protection Program, or ABPP, as we like to call it, uh, is working on an update on that 1993 study. Uh, and, and we believe this is, there's going to be some considerable information there that's going to help us in the upcoming uh, preservation battles that no doubt are going to have to be fought. Um, and, uh, and of course, identify the land that still needs to be able, still needs to be saved. So is it the, the ABPP that, that has a website where you can see a list of these several hundred battlefields? That's cr correct. Um, and the best way to do it is type American Battlefield Protection Program into Google. Uh, I can never remember what their address is. It's a little convoluted. Mm -hmm. But I, I mentioned that uh, a couple of years ago I was teaching a public history course here at East Carolina University. And uh, for an assignment over spring break, uh, we looked at, the, at that website, at those, that list, and each student chose a battlefield in eastern North Carolina. And there were uh, you know, a dozen within easy distance of Greenville uh, in, in the eastern half of the state. And their, their job was to go and see what kind of interpretation existed at these sites. And they came back with uh, everything from uh, you know, fully developed or close to fully developed sites uh, more like Bentonville or Fort Macon to, to sites that were totally unmarked and, and unprotected. And the students loved the project uh, to go out in the field and actually see these things. But the, I was really impressed that the website was there, that the list is there, so that you know listeners to the show can find out 
there may be a battlefield in your neighborhood you don't even know about. Yes, uh, that, that material that they have on their website is terrific. It's got a nice brief history of each battlefield. And uh, a few years ago, the Conservation Fund, and, and Francis Kennedy of the Conservation Fund, did a book based on those battlefields called the Civil War Battlefield Guide. And uh, it's an excellent resource, and I re- recommend it to your uh, listeners. Is that the one with the topographic maps uh, as well as the... Uh, yes. I, th- I think that is. Um, it is an excellent book. By Kennedy, you said. Yes. Yeah, that is a, a very good book. I would guess many of our listeners uh, have a copy. I'm glancing my shelf. It must be at my home shelves. I don't see it here. But, uh, yeah, that is an excellent book and, and a great guide to battlefields. And by tying in the modern uh, topographic maps with historic maps, you can really see what was there. When the when the two organizations merged, the... Uh, uh, in the 90s, was there was there conflict between them uh, beforehand? Was this a resolution of something? What what brought them uh, to come together? Do you know? Well, I think part of it was that both organizations were going after the same properties, uh, seeking the same federal grants. Uh, essentially, they were in competition with one another. Uh, I think it was a friendly competition, but uh, clearly, it wasn't the most efficient use of limited resources. Um, and uh, the merger, and I think, you know, as I think with any merger, there was some conflict and, and some controversy, uh, certainly at the time, uh, really brought together the best of both organizations. Um, it was at this time that uh, my boss, the president of the Civil War Preservation Trust, Jim Whiteheiser, uh, became president. And um, anyone that knows Jim knows a very energetic, driven man who's passionate about the Civil War. And um, he, you know, he uh, was able to bring those two groups together and make them very effective. Um, so that I know in the first two years, we had saved somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 7,000 acres and uh, had also taken care of $8 million in debt that the two previous organizations were carrying. So um, that was certainly a considerable su- success right off the bat. Um, and now, of course, the two or- the, the merged organization, the Civil War Preservation Trust, uh, boasts having saved 25,000 acres nationwide. Um, and um, to put that into perspective, it's actually more than this. That, that's larger than the city of Manhattan and about half of the Bronx. So it's an enormous amount of open space. And... and uh land saved from from development that would otherwise be lost to interpretation. We're going to take a short break now. We'll come back in just a moment. We'll talk more about the preservation of Civil War sites with our guest Jim Campy from the Civil War Preservation Trust. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, and this is Civil War Talk Radio. 